Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, everyone. It is me at the top of the episode to say, no, you have not missed an episode. I'm doing side B before I do side A because I mucked up. I missed recall with a guest. They turned up to the studio. I was not there. And uh, I don't want I don't want to deprive them because I did some research on the song. So I'm going to do that next week. You'll hear side A. For now, though, you're going to hear side B. And it is a very good episode, so don't worry about that. Hey, while I've got you here, let's talk about Comedy Festival, which is starting uh, this week. Is it? The gala's on tonight. Is That's all I know. Anyway, so uh, I'm doing some shows. If you're a parent or a guardian and you have kids aged between 4 and 10, bring them along to Humankind at the Q Courthouse, 11.30 on weekends. That's a.m., not p.m. I've had a few people say it's a p.m. It's a kid's show, guys. Come on. Get with it. Uh, 11.30 Q Courthouse. It's a super, super fun show, super nice show, sweet show, kind show, all those kind of things you want your kids to see and be involved. It's also very, very funny. So that's also good. So if you've got kids, come along. If you'd like to see me do the podcast, I'm doing six different podcasts. So five of them are Don't You Know Who I Am. Four Saturdays, three o'clock at the European Beer Cafe, which is now called Morris House. Uh, great lineups. They're all It's all ticking in. It's all locking together. And I'm super, super excited to bring these four shows to you. Plus, I have two shows at the Festival Club as part of the Comedy Festival. So Max Watts. So April 4, the live best of the best of 97. Greg Larson is going to join me as my kind of brains trust. Uh, performances by people like Michelle Brazier, Geraldine Quinn, Ben Russell. Uh, who else is doing stuff? Gillian uh, Cosgrove, Jude Pearl. It's going to be great. So make sure you get your tickets. Then on April 18, another Don't You Know Ham at Max Watts. Great, great lineup. Make sure you get tickets to that. All tickets will be found at joshearl.com.au. Big thanks to everyone who are Patreon subscribers. You guys are the best. You keep the lights on. Brand new Patreon episodes are going up every single week as well of Pod Machine. But during Comedy Festival, if, you, if you're if you not in Melbourne, but you want to hear all these uh, podcasts, the only place you'll ever hear them is at Patreon. Even the best of the best of 97 is going up exclusively on Patreon. Anyway, to get that, it's patreon.com slash D-Y-K-W-I-A. It's $5 US a month, and you get access to all the different podcasts I do. That's heaps from me. Enjoy this episode. Hums and Hits, Volume 23, Side B. Hello, Gompies, and welcome to Hums and Hits, Volume Pod. I'll explain later, Luca. We're talking Volume 23, Side B this week. My name is Josh Earl, and this week, first time on the pod, can you please welcome into your ears, into your hearts. It's Luca Muller, everyone. Yay. Yay. Hello, Gompies. What's going on? There you go. Getting on board. <laughs> it's good. Hey, thanks for doing this. Man, of course. Thanks for having me. I've, I've been seeing you post about it and thought, geez, I'd like to do that podcast one oh, day. Oh, that's good. Well, we're talking about songs from 1997. Yes. When were you born? I was born in 1993. Great. So this is <laughs> my peak music listening era. I'm hopefully it's an education for you. Hopefully I'm <laughs> introducing you to a bunch of songs. Uh, 
because you you do stuff on Triple J and you mm-hmm. uh, do you program the comedy at Splendor in the Grass? Yes, yes, yes. I do. So you, you you know your music. I'm I'm in I'm involved in the music world. When you're a kid, were you in, into music as well? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. I've never um, been good at playing music, and I don't have any sort of sense of rhythm in my body or soul at all. But Big music lover is my first love, I would say. It's great. Were your parents, did they listen to music in the house? Yeah, big time, big okay. time. Um, my parents actually used to run a folk club before I was born. Oh, cool. Whereabouts? In Echuca. Well, I guess it was technically just a night at a pub, but they had yep. a monthly folk club and all sorts of cool people came and did it. And was that the one where like people just bring their instruments and play along or was it a proper, no, we're going to invite actual performers to do a show? Yeah, yeah, actual performers. Yeah. They would have, I can't, I feel, I want to say like a, Paul Kelly, I'm pretty sure, did it like sort of in the mid 80s or something like that. Um, And yeah, they would have people just stay at their house for the weekend and they'd show them around town and then they'd play play the folk club on the Friday or Saturday night or whatever it was and have a great time. That sounds like something Darren Hanlon would do today. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Sure, I'm sure he does it. So did you, growing up, I know you're on Triple J now, Mm Mm-hmm was like Triple J, Hottest 100, all that kind of stuff. Did you collect those compilation CDs? Yeah, definitely. As I was driving over here, I was trying to think of what compilation CDs I had when I was younger. Yeah. Was never a So Fresh guy. That was sort of the big one of my yeah. um, age group, I guess. Had a lot of the Hottest 100s. And then I think when I like started driving, as soon as I turned 18, picked up a bunch more because you just see them yep. at the petrol station. You're like, oh, 101 road trip songs. Yep. Great. I'm I thought that. you were going to say the, the Vans uh, Warp Tour. Oh, yeah. Had, yeah. God, actually, I think I did have one of those. <laughs> yeah. I had one that was like just short songs. It was like, a hun- I can't remember what it was Short called. music for short people. That's it's it, yeah. Records compilation. It's great. So it's 30 second songs <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And it was just, yeah, that was... First year uni, cranking that out. And there's 101 songs on there. And because CD players couldn't show the graphic for 100, you'd get to 99 and then it'd go back to zero and then one. I remember it very specifically. So cool. (laughs) My brother did um, uh, work experience when he was a teen at, I want to say Greville Records. Is that a record shop or company in Melbourne? That Greville Records is in over in Paran. Yeah, right. Windsor area. So you tell your story and I'll tell my story off the, off the back of it. But he did, um, yeah, work experience there and left from our country town of Chuka where we grew up and went to the big city for the week and worked yep. at the thing and came back with just like bucket loads of CDs that they had given him. And that was, I think, probably my first proper head first into music. And uh, there was a few compilations in there. And so yep. I was like, damn, this is it. So I went in there. I was growing up, huge Lemonheads fan. Yeah. And Evan Dando always talked about Graham Parsons. So when I came over from Tassie, I went into Gravel Street Records and they had Graham Parsons' yes. GP album. Yeah. And I bought that, took it home to where I was, took it back to where I was staying, listened to it and went, this is not for me. <laughs> took it back the next day and said, look, I bought this yesterday. I made it, I'm not, not into this. How old are you? Very, very confident. Uh, 18, 19. Yeah, damn. Yeah. And then the guy looked around going, oh my God, thank you. You're so lucky you said it to me and not everyone else in the store because oh they God. would fucking chase you out of the store. And I was like, oh, cool. And he let me change it. That's amazing. Yeah, and I changed it to a Wilco album and uh, that was the first Wilco album I owned. Oh, so, great. Yeah. And that changed the course of your life, would you say? Almost named my kid Wilco. Damn, really? Yeah, but we changed in the last week. Wow. Yeah, to a Fleet Fox, Foxes song. <laughs> that's, that's where we're at. Anyway, we're not talking about that. We're talking about Volume 23, Side B. So this... Came out in 1997, in, yes. the, in the middle of 97. And we're kicking off with a band that we've... I think the compilation, like EMI, Polydor, um, were really trying to push this band in Australia. And at this stage, we weren't having a bar of it. <laughs> this is uh, the Irish boy band, 
Boyzone, <laughs> and this is their song Picture of You. so funny coming off like all of grunge and this and yeah. still this time we get this this was a real I would say low light on the, on the collection for me how brutal is that trumpet sound it's like yeah. the most overproduced garage band <laughs> sounding shit <laughs> so this is uh, what's his name Brian McFadden yeah yeah who later became sort of a quasi TV celeb yeah was, was he and Delta Goodrum together for I think a bit? so yeah. yeah I believe so I always get him and Ronan Keaton mixed up yeah big time and I think they were on TV one was on X Factor and one was on Australia's yeah. Talent at the same time <laughs> yeah not the worst thing but doesn't do much for me this song it, it's look it's an okay pop song. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about it. So I, when I saw it, I thought, oh, is this a cover of The Cure? Oh, Pictures yeah. Of you? I thought that would have been amazing, but it's not. Uh, this was the first single from their third album, Where We Belong. So this was released like almost six months before the single was. Yeah, right. I was so excited about it. Oof. Went to number two in the UK and Ireland, number one in Scotland, Oof. 39 here. Have some respect. <laughs> <laughs> but it's best remembered... And you might even know this as the end credit song for the 1997 classic Bean, aka Bean, the Ultimate Disaster Movie. What is it really? Yeah, I do is, not remember that. As soon I know as the, the movie. credits start rolling, this song comes on, <laughs> and for comic relief, they all they Bean joined uh, Boyzone. And oh, this does ring a bell. I can see that in zone. my head. Yeah, <laughs> Beanzone. <laughs> uh, so the movie, if those haven't seen the Ultimate Disaster Movie, it's uh, Mr. Bean is working. As a gallery, um, um, what's the word? Um, security. Yeah. And his boss hates him. Try to get him fired mm-hmm. and can't because there's no reason. And so he figures out a way to send him to America to transfer this fifty million dollar painting. <laughs> uh, and then he gets confused to be like this art expert, mm. and uh, shenanigans <laughs> begin. And this happened in the nineties, you say? Nineteen ninety-seven. Crazy. Uh, so it opened in Australia first, Bean. They tested the really? waters, yeah, in this little backwater. Yeah, right. And got to number one in the box office, and it was there for two weeks until Men in Black came along wow. and knocked it off. Man, hot era, yeah. hot era. So we loved the Bean movie, but as soon as those final credits rolled, we were like, we're out. Like, oh, what the fuck is this? <laughs> we're out of here. Uh, here's a, a fun fact about the movie. In America, it grossed almost $30 million on its first weekend, but there was controversy because apparently... A lot of teenagers bought tickets to Bean, mm. and then when they got their ticket ripped to go in, and it was like the multiplex, they then snuck into Starship Troopers because that was rated R. Oh. And apparently, the Starship Troopers, the cinemas were full, wow. and Bean ones weren't. But um, yeah, all those thirteen-year-olds <laughs> going, "I'm going to go see Starship Troopers." That's sick. That's a great move. I mean, it's a vastly superior movie. It's such a good film. It's I, awesome. It was the first because I. When it came out, I was like, I don't, I'm not really into like, because I, I never watched a star, like Star Wars and stuff like that. Yeah, not yeah. Not into sci-fi. And then I was like, no, this is like a piss take on sci-fi. Yeah. And I was like, all right, I'll watch it. And I was like, oh, this is actually... Yeah, I had the same movie. thing. I'd never seen it until maybe a couple of years ago. And I just had written it off as, yeah, some shitty like Star Trek clone or whatever. Yeah. And then I think I watched some of Verhoeven's other movies. I was like, oh, this guy's actually good. And he made Starship Troopers. What's that about? Yeah. And then, man, it rules. Yeah. Uh, so Roger Ebert gave the film... An- 
this just tells you how what I think about the song. I'm just talking yeah, about the yeah, film. Yeah. It really speaks to sort of the, <laughs> there's not that much to dive into with that song. <laughs> he gave it two and a half stars, saying that he praised the film for having many moments that were very funny, but he said the runtime of 90 minutes was too long. He says, at an hour, Bean would have been non-stop laughs, but then they added 30 minutes of stops. <laughs> <laughs> which Harsh. is great such a <laughs> great line I love that you know nowadays it's like oh, movies are three hours long can yeah. they go back to being two hours long and back then it's like we want 60 minutes I'm always like when I see a runtime of 86 minutes going this film must be so bad there's no <laughs> way they only fit like they only wrote 86 minutes of, of movie yeah yeah totally <laughs> um, alright that, that's Boyzone nice Picture out of the way you. get it out of the way alright a band that we're talking about so much lately and I don't think it's going to stop for about six, seven more episodes. <laughs> this is The Girls of Spice. Oh, yes. And their first ever ballad. This is Mama. Starts off with a real bachelor girl yeah. hit by a train kind of <laughs> vibe. Yeah, I mean, it's some of the most iconic 90s sounds all mashed into one song. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is a nice song. I listened yeah. to this whole um, this whole CD on you know Spotify playlist as I was uh, sort of fucking around cleaning around the house this morning. And this one came on. I listened to about half of it before checking and realizing, oh, this is the Spice Girls. It's like not that yeah. I, not that I have any problem with them, but I was surprised by it. So it is, it's a song about realising that your parents, especially, or your mum, yeah. had your best interests at heart, even though they may have been a bit mean. Yeah, it's pretty nice. It's a nice yeah. little message. And I think it just shows that the Spice Girls slash their record companies and producers, they knew where their bread was buttered. Yeah. They're like, you know, these are teen girls. They need to reconnect with their mums. This is going to be big. I've been working on a bit similar, not similar to this, but like... <laughs> Does it have the... Yeah, it's, it has, has a guy who comes out and scratches. <laughs> that guy touring with the Spice Girls just for that bit. Oh, man. So that'd be awesome. <laughs> um, no, but it's how my relationship with my parents is similar to my relationship with the TV show The Simpsons. So for the first 10 years, mm. they can do no wrong. Yeah, loved it, couldn't live without it. The best. Then at about year 13, I'm going, is, is this as... This is not as good as it used to be, right? Yeah, yeah. Have I changed or have they changed? And then by year 20, I'm going, this is dog shit. I hate this. <laughs> and now, year 30, whatever, I'm like, I'm just impressed it's still going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they're trying their best, yeah. you know. Yeah, they're not going to change. Uh, so this was released as a double A side with the much superior song, in my opinion, Who Do You Think You Are? Mm, great song, great song. A banger. Uh, this, uh, well, that Who Do You Think You Are could have been an alternative name for my other podcast. Uh, <laughs> so this is like, like all the songs on Spice written by the band mm-hmm. uh, with... Uh, a couple of co-writers, Matt Rowe and Richard Stannard, although Richard Stannard in interviews later said this one was mostly written by Mel B. She yeah, had, right. She had the idea for it. Nice. And the other members just contributed to a verse each. Yeah, right. And so that's how they do it. They go, all right, this is the theme for the song. Go off and write a verse, come back, and yeah, this is the it's music. It's quite nice. Yeah. It's, it's heartwarming. Nice, 
Uh, so it was the first time they did a ballad and the critics were mixed on the fact they were doing ballads. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The Daily Mirror said this about it. Yuck. We don't want our Spice Girls sweet tar very much. Jeez. They should concentrate on the raunch and let Daniel O'Connell take care of the mums. So I was like, fucking... God. Just the worst. Just we don't like, want range. Just be yeah. a sexy girl and shut up. Exactly. <laughs> you don't that, have yeah. a mum as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> don't make. Don't bring like real world into this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We just want to objectify you. Damn. <laughs> uh, it was their fourth number one single. And that put them in the record books as the first UK group to have all four first singles go to the top spot. There you go. Yep. Uh, previous record holders were Jerry and the Pacemakers, Jive Bunny and the Master Mixers, and Frankie Goes to Hollywood. They all had three each. Man. But their fourth one, they couldn't crack it. Can't keep up with the Spice Girls. Australia, this only got to 13 in Australia. Really? Yeah. Hmm. But I'm not sure if it was released as a double A side here. Yeah, right. Which, yeah. Uh, but this is how big they were. At this stage of their career, they did a, a live pay-per-view concert called Spice Girls in what? Concert Wild. Man. And I'm not sure what wild, why it was added. Like, Spice <laughs> Girls in Concert is enough. And I'm thinking maybe this is, like, to trick dudes into thinking it was, like, a girls gone wild. Yeah, yeah, thing. yeah. So if you type in girls, girls wild, wild. <laughs> it comes up. Eyes are blurry because you're so horny. <laughs> like, yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> uh, but they performed this song in the concert... But then when they released the concert on VHS, this song, out. this song wasn't in it. What the hell? Yeah. That's bizarre. And look, I, I didn't watch that. Maybe they fucked up yeah, during the yeah. concert, but yeah. But they, they, yeah, they did a live pay-per-view. I like it. I get people want the, you know, more high energy, high tempo pop bangers from the Spice Girls or whatever, but I like it. And especially at a concert, I like seeing yeah. how an artist handles the rise and fall in the energy of their songs and stuff. Exactly. I always think when bands and... Kings of Leon are the prime example of yeah. this. They just got too big for the songs that they were playing, so they had to write like stadium songs. Yeah, stadium songs. Yeah. And people were like this sounds awful. And I'm yeah. like, well, it feels the stadium when they play. <laughs> so yeah. All right. Moving on. This song, I've not thought about this song in what, how many? Twenty six years. <laughs> but it took me straight back. This is Brain Bug and their song Nightmare. <laughs> you know this song sounds Exactly like Bad Guy by Billie Eilish. Yeah. Like exactly the same. <laughs> Duh. Yeah. That's... <laughs> <laughs> Reckon Phineas might be getting after this podcast goes out. No. A little tap on the shoulder from some lawyers. So I wondered hey. about it. It's pretty remarkably similar mostly that part right there is the part we yeah. just listened to is the most similar part just but that um it has the exact same beat the exact same tempo and whatever that little yeah. it's the exact same except it doesn't have the australian traffic lights that he loves to talk about <laughs> on every talk show which is is amazing that clip is, a, is an incredible clip which yeah. is like yeah, showing it to jimmy jimmy one of the jimmy's <laughs> one, of the, one of the jimmy's all right so, uh, <laughs> right at the drop. <laughs> all right, we'll, we'll keep playing. There you go. There you go. That was right. worth it. <laughs> <We did>. uh, <laughs> so this is Italian DJ, producer, and guitarist Alberto Battipelle. Nice. Uh, so he's performed under many aliases. These are his other band names or alias names. <laughs> Alzheimer's. Sure. <laughs> Corn on the Cob, <laughs> Humdrum, <laughs> Space Christ. Man. And his final one, 
Ice Cube. <laughs> what? <laughs> did, a, did gigs on Ice Cube. <laughs> That's sick. And this is in the nineties. This is a guy before his time. Yeah. This is like a SoundCloud rapper before SoundCloud even yeah. existed. You know, I got all my little projects and their different <laughs> names. And also I'm Ice Cube. So this was his debut single, got to fourteen in Australia. Also came in at eighty five in the Hottest One Hundred that year. Really? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, so it was it had a pretty good mass appeal. So it was played on commercial radio. Yeah. Plus also on on the J's. It, it was a cool sort of um there's similar songs from a similar period like where house music was transitioning to becoming a little bit more mainstream yep. and they sort of integrated into pop music and stuff and there's, yep. I like this song yeah this this fits in with if you made a compilation you could put this and here's Johnny yeah yeah on the same compilation <laughs> uh, one group of people who loved this song was the football club Manchester City yeah and during 97 they were played before games wow as the whole team and then also they still to this day sometimes play it at the stadium they play in uh, it's, I think it's Etihad Stadium is where they play. Yeah, Not, yeah. Yeah, the Manchester <laughs> one. Uh, as they're warming up. Wow. So it's still like 23 years later, 26 years later, still getting, getting a run. Power. That's what I was uh, Alberto's no longer with us though. Oh, rip. Yeah, he joins a club of performers who died on stage. Really? Yeah. What the hell? Yeah. He was, he was playing in a band. Yeah. In 2016, had a heart attack. And according to reports which I read, which were translated from an Italian newspaper. So yeah. I had to do the Google Translate. Uh, there were multiple nurses in attendance, but they couldn't revive him before the ambulance got there. Whoa, that's yeah. crazy. I had no idea. Which I, I was thinking about this. Is like, you know, there's no great way to go. Yeah. But if you're doing a gig, that, that must be a pretty good way. Pretty go. good. Yeah. Probably at the peak of your sort of dopamine and adrenaline and everything. Yeah. It's like, yeah. yeah. And so what, 2016? How old was he, do you know? 57. Yeah, I guess. I mean, that's young. But Pretty young. Yeah. yeah. Shit. Yep. But, Damn, you know, rest in peace, Alberto. Still doing music at 57. Pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. Making Made a life right. for himself. Yeah. Invented Billy Irish. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he was in NWA. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was called Corn on the Cold. <laughs> All right. Oh, an absolute banger. When you thought listeners of this show that Eurodance was behind us oh, uh-uh. yes. <laughs> we have one of the premier songs of the genre this is Mr. President and their song Coco Jambu yes <laughs> this song goes hard as shit <laughs> <laughs> well during the live uh, best of 97 at the festival club you'll hear Oliver Clark do his rendition oh, really? of the song yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to see that Actually, only one of us is. The other one's saying, not my Mr. President. <laughs> yeah, it's good shit. It's good. really good shit. <laughs> it's really good. It's so dumb. Um, so that was... So uh, that was Coco Jumbo. Mm-hmm. Jambu, I should say, not Jambu. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Germans, they were. Uh, not all of the members were German, but they started in Germany. Mm-hmm. 
This song got to number one in Austria. Hell yeah. The Czech Republic. Hell yeah. Sweden. Hell yeah. Switzerland. Hell yeah. And of course, listeners, Hungary. <laughs> Hungary loved it. Uh, it was got pretty big hit. Seven here. Nice. And it got 21 in the US. Great. Yeah. This is a song that I feel like has existed in my subconscious for my whole life without ever really knowing when it came out or who it was by or what its story is. There's and- another song coming up that I feel the same way about. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah, and it, hearing it uh, pop up on my little playlist this morning, I was thrilled. <laughs> when I saw it, I saw it on like when I did the compile of all the all the songs. I saw it come up. I was like, ah, oh, yeah. I, I, I'm looking forward to that episode. It's a belter. It is. So this is the group uh, where they started off. These were the members: uh, a person called T7, mm-hmm. Lady Danny, and Sir Prophet. Now, Sir Prophet was the MC, but in '94, Sir Prophet, not seeing many prophets, left the band. Ooh. Replaced by British rapper Lazy D, real name Delroy Ranals, who is currently the only member of Mr. President. Oh, really? And he performs <clears throat> as Delroy Ranals, formerly Mr. President. That's his <laughs> performance name. Former President Delroy Ranals. What do you think his life is like? He's Ooh. going around, still still cashing in on the Coco Jambu. This one name. would still, I imagine, get a pretty big. Pretty big reception. Yeah. Uh, do they have any other songs? They've got other songs. None of them as big as this one. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, what's the... I bet he pops up on weird little festivals and like similar to like an R&B Fridays. You know how they do the live tours here? Yeah. Some of the acts you see that are like, what is their set? He, I would say he, he would have to start with this song. Totally. So people yeah. know who it is. Maybe start and finish. I've heard of acts yeah. doing that. Apparently, I think so- Sophie Ellis-Baxter did that at... Um, Murder on the Dance Floor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't mind it. Yeah, people love it. Yeah. <laughs> people know what they're in for. And it's like, shows some level of self-awareness, I suppose, of like, yeah, this is the fucking big one. I'm yeah. not going to pretend like you know many of my other songs. Well, when I saw um, Daryl Braithwaite do Horses, yeah. he stretched that to like a good 12 minutes. That's pretty sick move yeah. as well. Really chuck a few little yeah. <laughs> intervals in there, have a little solo in the middle. He also said, do you remember this one? I played a Sherbet song and I was like, oh, Daryl. <laughs> This audience is 19. They don't remember it. I'm sorry, mate. <laughs> You're a meme to them. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think Delroy, I hopefully, hopefully he's really enjoying it still. Yeah. Hopefully it's not just, oh, fuck, I've got to yeah, totally. put on the Lazy D hat. And that song of all out. songs to have to put on a fake smile, you know, try yep. to do your little dance. Yeah. Not the one. I would imagine his life is a lot, you know, in um, the English office, but when they... The Christmas special when David Brent's left the the paper yeah, yeah. office and he's going around the nightclubs. <laughs> I reckon this guy does that kind of thing. Goes yeah, to the nightclubs, totally. they play it, they have a few drinks, and then then they go. All right, moving on. They're back, people. Oh boy, they're back in a big way. Oh boy, this is the boy band who will beat me up. <laughs> this is Culture, and their song "Always Be." That's Luca crying. <laughs> I'm weeping. It's too sad. It's too emotional. <laughs> Why would they beat you up? They're some uh, big boys who sing some sweet songs. I had no idea they were so big. Definitely yeah. sweet songs. I think this is the fifth time they've been on the compilations. Um, I feel like I'm a massage. It's very nice. It does sound like, yeah, yeah. one of those ones in the, like, Supermarket, not yeah, a supermarket, yeah, like <laughs> Northland or Westfield or something like that. Yeah, put a blindfold on. Yeah. 
rub your feet. And at the end, just do that. <laughs> Bashing you. So what's their biggest song? Um, oh, I get them confused with a bunch of other bands. Because well, 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 I, I saw the name, I was like, I know that name. And this song sort of rang a bell, but not really. There comes a time in the Jack of Jam. I mean, you know, I have no issues with it, but it's real landfill <laughs> R&B. Well, it's like, obviously, they loved Boys to Men. Yeah, yeah. And we're like, let's be uh, Australian slash New Zealand Boys to Men. Yeah. And look, I, I think they've achieved that. Yeah, they ticked the box. Just without the, the, the sales, but, you know, <laughs> just what hard I in this industry. Know. Alright, we've listened to a minute 30 of that. I, I can't play anymore. <laughs> the song goes for five minutes though. It's long, it's slow. It's a five song. minute song. Yeah. I like this is there was the second single from their uh, their album Take Your Time. Got to twenty five here, thirty four in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. I cannot find the film clip for it on YouTube. And I'm sure it would have had one because it was yeah. like released as a single and back in those days you would have done a film clip for it. You got so it. you could play it on Rage and Video Hits. They have a dedicated YouTube channel, mm. which I'm not sure if they run or it's fan run, but I would say maybe they, they're distancing themselves from this song. Yeah, right. Maybe this is like, if they get back together, they're just going to pretend this song That's never happened. What's their problem with it? I don't know. I mean, maybe the slow, deep talking bit <laughs> <laughs> must suck to perform live. It's too sexy. People would get too horny at yeah. the shows. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I just... I just don't know what more I can say about culture. Yeah, really does nothing for me. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's 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 weird because it's like it is a style of music that I don't know if we would still like. There's no one in a, in totally music doing this kind of stuff anymore. Yeah, absolutely. There's you hear I don't know little elements of it pop up in um, people like Lana Del Rey and Meg Back and stuff like that. Yeah. like sort of slow. I guess sort of R and B influenced, but it's it's gone. It's a real product of the late nineties. Sure is. Hey, we're going to take a break now. We're going to come back after these messages. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And we're back. And this is, you know how you said Coco Jumbo was a song that just was around yeah. and you didn't know who it was by, but it was just there. I feel the same with this song. This is a Glasgow band named after American State. This is Texas mm, and their yes. song, Say What You Want. I love those breathy backing vocals. Yeah, really good. 20 seconds on my bad time. This song to me, even though it does sound like it's from 1997, yeah. I would have swear it was like late 80s, early 90s. Yeah, yeah. It is a good song. Yeah. 
there's a real sort of popular 90s move as well, I'm sure you've covered it, but they're like super crisp, well-liked drums. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Every I, decibel of that little snare here. We have not covered that, but it's a great Up. And they have that when I get that feeling. Yeah. Sort of, I don't know. What do you call that? It's like well, interpolation or something. Yeah. Like that, I think they call it where it's like sort of throws back to another song, but it's not really. Yeah. Alluding to another song. Yeah. So yeah. You go. Oh, sexual healing, and then it's, it's not. It's just we've taken the <laughs> taken the line, which I think is something that Oasis do a lot. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Totally. Uh, so Glasgow band. They formed in '86. The band members John McElhone uh, of the band Altered Images and Charlene Spittery. Uh, they say they took their name from the Wind Wenders film Paris, Texas. But nah, guys, it's a state in America. <laughs> you say you took the name from anywhere. It's yeah. like... <laughs> uh, this is from their fourth album called White on Blonde. It's their most successful album. And this, you would say, is their most successful song. I mean, they did have another big hit in 89, but this one was the highest charting. It was peaked at number three, got to 11 here. Um, you know who liked this song? Who liked it? Wu-Tang Clan. Really? Yeah, they love this song and did a remix of it. No and way. This is uh, them with um, Method Man. Uh, RZA and Method Man uh, remixed it and then they performed it live with Texas Whoa. at the um, MTV Music Awards. Oh my God, I in, love it. In 98. So here, here it is. It works. It's good. <laughs> That's sick. But yeah, I, I really like I'd never heard that. And then I saw it, it was remixed by Wu-Tang Clan. I'm like, fuck, what is this? That's yeah, crazy. Then, I yeah. love that. It really works. It's it's really good. And then, so the horns are that from an Engel, Engelbert Humperdinck song. Yeah, right. Yeah. Damn. But it's... I would love to have been in or wherever Wu-Tang Clan were where they heard the Texas version first. It yeah. was like, yeah, this slaps. I like this. <laughs> yeah, that's sick. It does have the thing that you were talking about where it just feels like you've known it for your whole life. It's been yeah. in you. Um, Steely Dan has some quote about when they first started making music, they wanted to try to make music that it felt like you were remembering it from a previous life or whatever. It almost yeah. has that quality to it where it's yeah. like, it's not like it's predictable or knowable, but as soon as you hear it, you're like, oh, this song, it's like, I understand it immediately. It's a, it's funny because in the 80s with when, you know, synthesizers and that kind of technology came in, yeah. it dated so many artists who mm-hmm. were trying to use that kind of technology <clears throat> and almost like the, like, not the real drums, but those electronic kind of drums yep. and stuff like that. And so there's artists who I really like, like Bruce Springsteen and Bob Dylan, who in the 80s, yeah. it, it's dated those songs, whereas songs from the 60s and 70s just seem a bit more timeless. Totally, yeah. And I don't know why. And it sounds very old white man saying, oh, it doesn't sound the same as it used to. <laughs> but it is something about those those sounds which sound inauthentic. It is so true, yeah. I guess with the like... um what's the word, proliferation of the technology that people were using to record and produce and stuff. It became a little bit more, um, there were more widespread techniques or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But say what you want. Good song. Good song. 
good song. All Stands right. up. Are they, is Texas still around? Yeah, they they're actually um, uh, not split up for a while, but uh, they both went off and did other stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, looking, I was looking for news at them, and it's funny. So they uh, they met up for coffee and they made the British papers that they were <laughs> meeting up for coffee. And uh, Charlene's put out a bunch of solo albums, and um, John McLean works behind the scenes in a bunch of stuff. Yeah, wow. but they've also been doing shows, and they had a new album or. Hinted at a new album like in 2021. Sick. So, yeah. I'm into that. Man, Glasgow, yeah. small city in a small oh. country, so much musical pedigree. Have you ever been there? Uh, I went, I've been there for like six hours. I, I was there for 24 hours. Yeah, right. Yeah, and went and saw a band at King Tut's Wawa Hut, which is the, the famous yeah, live yeah. music venue where uh, Alan McGee signed Oasis. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm here. We've just got to go there. But it was one of those things where, because my brother lived in Edinburgh for years, mm-hmm. and the reason. Me and my wife were there was because we were going to his wedding, mm. and uh, in Edinburgh, and so we thought, oh, let's go to Glasgow for a day, and him and all his mates were like, don't, you'll get beat up. It's don't, don't <laughs> That's what go. People say. Yeah, and we got there, we got the train, and we got off the train, and this was back in two thousand and seven, and so international roaming was too much. Yeah, you couldn't yeah. just go Google Maps, so you had to take a photo of the map. Awesome. And then walk around with your phone trying to look, like zooming in and trying to look for it. And we were trying to do that. And this guy just came up to us with the thickest Glaswegian accent and said something to us. Oh and God. I was like, oh, fuck, I'm oh going to get, God. I'm getting robbed here. And then he was like, I figured out he was saying, he was saying where are you staying? Yeah. And we're like, told him, he goes, oh, I know where it is. I'll, I'll walk you there. Come on, <laughs> come on. And then he just walked us there, <laughs> wanted no money, just oh wanted God. a conversation. Just this old guy at the train station, just yeah. waiting for people who were lost to go, oh, this will, this will fill my day. That's the best. Then we went, we had a friend of uh, my wife's husband from Glasgow and he wrote an itinerary and said, you've got to do these things. Yeah. So we went to the Charles Remy Macintosh uh, like studio. This famous guy who made chairs, high back chairs. <laughs> and I was like, this is going to be so fucking boring. It was so cool. It was great. I bought a little pin badge of it. I was like, this is so fucking cool. And then we went to... Um, the record store that Bell and Sebastian kind yeah, of like yeah. hung out in and met and kind of thing and next to the client. And so it was one of those days where we're like, this is the perfect day and That's we've amazing. timed it amazingly. And I can't remember the band we saw. Yeah. Um, but they were fine. Yeah. And it was one of those days. Going, yeah. And then we went back to Edinburgh and everyone's like, oh, was it scary? I'm like, it was one of the nicest places I've ever been to. And every single person was super, super friendly. Yeah. Yeah. I went, I was doing the fringe in Edinburgh and had booked one gig in Glasgow. So ducked over there, like caught the train over, did the gig and came back. Yeah, and everyone was saying the same thing. Like, oh, it's crazy! There's heroin and everyone yeah. bashing over there. It was like I didn't see much of it, but it was real nice. Uh, yeah. and the gig was one of the best gigs ever. It was sick. Well, where what's the suburb in Edinburgh that's a bit? They say it's rough. Is it Leith? Leith, yeah. 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 Well, I was staying in Leith. Mm. Like I had a couple of nights in. Um, this is when I went over for the festival the year after. I was staying right on the mile. And then my accommodation there was only for like 10 days. And then for four days, I was staying in, in Leith mm-hmm. and would go to... And it was like a half hour walk. Yeah. And I'd just walk it. Yeah. And everyone's going, you're insane. What are you doing? I'm like, it's, it's so, so safe. <laughs> it's like the nicest fucking city. <laughs> and I felt so safe walking around. And there's people everywhere because yeah. it was fringe. And I'm like, this, I don't understand. Like, yeah, I... I I felt unsafe walking in Launceston at night. I've been beat up twice in Launceston. Like, here is fine. Well, yeah. that was the guys from Culture, so that's different. Because yeah. <laughs> I bagged out their band. All right, moving on. Another British band. Uh, this is 
Eternal, we've talked about him before. This is their song, Don't You Love Me. The slow build-up. does. The tension. But it does have a bit of a Destiny's Child kind of... Yeah, yeah, totally. ...feel to it. Child goes to the store for love for bread. Don't you love me? Don't you love me no more? <laughs> flying I definitely li- remember listening to this this morning, but yep. I don't think it stayed in my brain very much at all. I definitely didn't notice the first line, Child Goes to the Store for a Life of Bread. Yeah, this is this is a song, a pop song about child abuse. <laughs> is it really? Yeah. Shit. Don't you love me no more? To feed his family, but to steal their eyes. Don't you love me? Don't you love me? <laughs> Got some pipes on though. They're good. Yeah, right? totally. Good voice. Good, good voice. voice. So this is their uh, their third album. Could be for the rain. This is the first time on the podcast we've talked about a song dealing with child abuse. Mm-hmm. And I thought I'd bring this up because Luca, mm. are you named after the Susan Vega song Luca? No. Which also deals with child abuse. It also deals with child abuse. People did love you, to bring that yeah. up to me. Did and you then... send, spend your childhood with people going, oh, I like the song? Uh, all the time. Yeah. Still to this day. Uh, and then people sort of have a moment where they go, well, that song's about, oh, oh yeah, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I sort of don't want to talk about it anymore. Um, I don't think I was named after that song. I think it played some small part, but I was more specifically named after Luca Bloom, who's an oh, yeah. Irish, I think, musician. Yeah, yeah. he, he uh, did a great covers album. And on it, he does a really good cover of In Between Days. Yeah. And there was a TV show in the early 2000s, which Recovery went into, called the um, 10.30 slot. Mm. And he was a guest on there once. And I remember going, oh, that song is so fucking good. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, I don't... I feel like maybe my parents don't even... They liked him, but weren't crazy fans. It's not like I was named after because of that, but they just thought, hey, that's a nice name. We're the same with Oliver James. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. So we named... Our son, that because one, I was walking one day and that song came on. I'm like, that's a really nice, uh, like, collection of names together. Mm-hmm. They sound good together. And then we bought a um, a parenting book before we had kids, and from a secondhand shop. And in it was like, to blah blah blah, congratulations on Oliver James. I'm like, oh, wow. it's a sign. That is a sign. Sorry, Wilco. Yeah, you're called <laughs> you're Oliver <out>. James now. <laughs> um, it's interesting with this song because at the time, this is you know a girl group. Uh, at the time, the biggest band in the world was a girl group, Spice Girls. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're in the same country mm. as them. I would say, in terms of just voices, Eternal have better singing voices. They got them covered. But they just can't compete with Zigga Zigga. And yeah. that's the thing of like, people want fun, dumb pop songs. Mm-hmm. And I feel that sometimes in comedy as well. It's like, yeah, you can write. A really clever bit yeah. about a really great social issue that has people laughing, but sometimes people just want to see Helen Badu. Yeah, <laughs> and it's really fucking funny. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Well, I sort of like then that they went the other way and were like, "We'll be a bit more serious, intellectual, whatever." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I look, I think it's a a good song. Like you said, though, I I, I could sing the chorus. I couldn't sing the verses yeah. for you. Yeah, now, which I'm not sure if that's a a great. 
a great thing for a pop song. <laughs> All right, moving on. Oh, this is the second time uh, we've talked about this band. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Uh, this is another UK band. This is Alicia's Attic and their song, Alicia Rules the World. <laughs> oh, yes. So English. It's so English. <laughs> yeah, look, it doesn't doesn't blow me away. Doesn't light my world on fire, but it's a nice little time. There's some nice production elements in the back. All right. So that peaked at number twelve in the UK. It got to twenty six in Australia. Yeah, right. Which surprised me. Uh, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago and had a few messages from uh, listeners mm. saying that Karen of the band. Uh, so there were two sisters. Uh, she. We talked about how she wrote songs for Kylie, Jessica Malboy, and Lily Allen. Mm-hmm. But she's also written this year's Eurovision entry for the UK. Really? And look, this was... I only did the research last night, Luca. So this is an ap- absolute... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, when it wasn't planned. What's the word I'm looking for? Absolute... <laughs> spontaneous. Not not spontaneous. Well, there's a word. I can't remember, <laughs> though. Um, anyway. It, it's like kismet. Yeah. The, do you know the... What the person's uh, name is who is representing the UK? Oh my God, is this someone called Luca or something? No, it's Mae Muller. What? Yeah. Who is that? Well, I mean, she, this is her song. This is the entry that uh, that uh, Karen Poole wrote as well. Yeah. Uh, for Mae Muller, Muller. It's called I Wrote a Song. Whoa. Yep. <laughs> you didn't mention the cheating. You kept that one to yourself. I got some mad was gonna cut you out. Yeah, smaller clan, stay yeah. up. Mullers all day. I don't know if it's because I, whenever I'm listening to a Eurovision song, I'm aware of the fact it's a Eurovision song. Yeah. But there is some quality that they have in common. I don't know how to put my finger on it. They're all kind of like too earnest or too upfront or something like that. But also like really light in the music. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. yeah. Anyway, it's all about how she wrote a song. So it should be called I, I co-wrote a song because she co-wrote it with <laughs> I sang Karen Poole. Yeah. <laughs> I had a song written for me. Yeah. Um, That's so. cool. You don't hear my last name very often. But here's the thing. So the the band Alicia's Attic uh, had this album, and then they did another album, mm. and two of the film clips were directed by a woman called Sophie Muller. What? Yeah. Oh my god! They this were, woman with loves two the Mullers. Mullers. And I looked up: Is May Muller and Sophie Muller anyway? No, that's sick. They're not connected at all. Oh my but god! Sophie Muller. Have you heard of Sophie Muller? No. She has directed like over three hundred film clips. Whoa! And. Fucking amazing. So she directed Don't Speak by No Doubt. Yeah. Stay by Shakespeare's Sister. Pretty much every video Annie Lennox ever did. So Eurythmics and, and, and uh, her solo stuff. 
Sade, uh, who she was friends with at St. Martin's College. They went to college together. What? Uh, she also directed a song we're going to speak about next week, Blur's Song 2. Oh, sick. Yeah. So she's done so many, so many songs. Um, now, Karen Poole also, apart from writing songs for all these people, also wrote the songs for Bridget Jones's Diary, the musical. Wow. With Lily Allen and previous subject of the show, Greg Kirsten from the band Geggy Tar. Whoa. This is a great career. Yeah. But this is the thing. That musical was written in 2009 and 2010. It only got to the workshop stages, so no performances. The songs can't be found anywhere on the internet. Whoa. Lily Allen talks about how they're really fucking good songs and she really wants it to be made, but she... Kind of like this was in 2014. She was like, oh, I think that dream's done. Yeah, I don't think yeah. it's going to get made. Uh, even though they had people sign on for it. So the woman who wrote uh, Bridget Jones' Diary, she wrote the script. These people wrote the songs. Man. But these are what the songs were called. I found that information. They're called Intriguing. If I Could Save Her From Sadness, Wanker, Happy, Falling All Over Myself, and the final one, all caps, Yummy. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> so they're. I really want them out. I want, I want I to hear what to hear what, them. That's uh, nuts though. What they did. Yeah, damn. That is such a cool career for that woman. Like, yeah. You know, front of band, work in the music industry your whole life, produce a whole bunch of cool shit. Yeah. Still to this day, like, you know, pretty Collecting re- relevant. Collecting those checks. Damn. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. All for, off the back of... <laughs> <laughs> well, you hear that and you go, this person's got a lifetime of... Yeah, <laughs> music industry work ahead of them. All right, our final song for yes. the episode. Last uh, was it last week or the week before? We talked about him. He fucked a fugitive moments before she was gunned down, climbing a fire escape. Mister Sweat is back. Pardon Keith Sweat. <laughs> Keith Sweat and his song Nobody. <laughs> now I think this is the type of song that culture would have been listening to when they were recording Always Be. 100%. I feel bad saying this, but to me this is like, it's pretty good, it's alright, it's a bit like I said before, landfill R&B, but when you hear it, it just makes me go, oh, this reminds me of D'Angelo, I want to listen to D'Angelo, yeah. <laughs> or like, this is like Leon Ware, I should listen to Leon Ware, just like... <laughs> Sweatman. He does have a good voice. Does have a good voice. Uh, so this was big in the States, number one on the R&B charts, number three on the Billboard charts. Mm-hmm. Very hard, in, in especially this time, to crack the number one on the Billboard charts. Yeah, there what was, was up there? You know? A lot of Celine Dion, mm. a lot of uh, Mariah Carey, yeah, all right. that kind of stuff. Got to 22 here because as a culture, we're not as sexually uh, overt as the Americans. It's true. <laughs> uh, the female voice on that is Athena Cage. Mm-hmm. Uh, this sold... As a single, 1.8 million copies in the States, wow. making it the 542nd highest-selling single 
in American Billboard history. Damn. Which, <laughs> look, 542 is a high number, but when you think of all the songs released... That's way up there. It's ama- <laughs> If you're in the top 10,000, that's a fucking incredible. Yeah. Fuck, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. What's the sweat man doing these days? Do you He's know? He's still doing music. He's yeah, still right. releasing... I, I watched, I don't know, when I showed you the... Um, the uh, Wu-Tang clip before you saw my recommended videos uh, I watched a Breakfast Club uh, interview oh, yeah. with him and he and Charlemagne I don't know if you ever listened to the Breakfast yeah, Club yeah. but uh, Charlemagne the guy who's one of the hosts and I think they might hang out oh uh, cool and so they it was a very buddy-buddy kind of interview that's sharing it sharing stories he must be what 50 or something like 57 that 57 or so he looks yeah. great um, and I watched you know I, I skimmed forward and watched a, a bit of it but he tells a story about this song um you know, he wasn't a very confident guy, mm. but then this song um, got him the girls. Wow. And he said, when you're overseas, and he, and he was like going, like, and he said, in the 90s, it was harder to have sex with people. Mm. And he goes, you really have to put the groundwork in. And he goes, and as soon as they found out that I was the singer of Nobody, he goes, it, it worked for him. Damn. And then they asked him, was there a lot of pressure? And he goes, oh, so, I wasn't sticking around. <laughs> <laughs> so... You know, not a great guy. Uh, <laughs> it is very sexy. It's real baby making music. Yeah, it does have the line, uh, I want to sex you. <laughs> I, I, I do, I find it very funny when people, instead of saying, I want to have sex with you, they're just like, I, I, I want to sex. Like the verb. Yeah, I just want to yeah. yeah, yeah. Like a caveman or an alien. Because I remember in my primary school, a kid got in trouble. I don't know who it was, but he wrote, he graffitied on the wall, sex a woman. Whoa. Yeah. Bitch. <laughs> 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 And that just that phrase still makes me laugh. Like, That's I remember awesome. being grade three or four. Just sex going, a woman. A year six kid wrote "sex a woman" on the wall. I don't know who it was, but yeah. What do you think happened? He chucked up sex. He's like, "That's not enough." Sex, yeah. <laughs> not just sex, anyone. Uh, all right. Um, not much. Not much more to say about uh, Mr. Sweat. We've talked about him a fair bit on the on the podcast. All the all the good stories mm-hmm. that were in that one. But um, yeah, I think this song probably of all the songs we've heard that he's had a hand in, mm-hmm. this one's probably up there as the best one. Nice. So what we're going to do now is we do that at the end of every show, Luca. They mm-hmm. say it's a hundred percent hits. So we're yeah. going to go through and see how many hits <laughs> Luca Muller deems hits. Interesting. So we start with Picture Review by Boyzone. Absolutely not. Not a hit. Mama by Spice Girls. I'd say it's a hit. Nightmare by Brainbug. Is that the That's Billie, the Eilish, Billie one? Eilish one? I'd say it's a hit. Hit. Coco Jambu, Mr. President. Definitely a hit. Always Be by Culture. Not a hit. Say What You Want by Texas. Hit. Don't You Love Me by Eternal. Uh, not a hit. Alicia Rules the World, Alicia's Attic. Not a hit. And Nobody, Keith Sweat. It's clearly a hit. Hit. That's five out of nine. That's, that's pretty good. That's over over half. Nice. It's fifty five percent. That is pretty good. Where's that rank in sort of the average? Um... A little bit down. Although yeah. I think people, and we've had a lot of people comment this in the socials. People are too generous mm-hmm. on the show. Oh. But you know that's that's fine. That's okay. everyone's got their own. What what makes it a hit for <laughs> yeah. some people? Hey, thanks for doing this, Luca. Man, thank you. Thanks you, for having me. Got anything to plug? Not really. Not doing festival this year. Um, listen to my other podcast, Too Spooky, I suppose. Great. You can hear me on the radio sometimes late at night or in April on the weekend afternoon, so it'd be good. Sick. Hey, if you're in Melbourne, uh, Comedy Festival is starting like in a week's time. So if you haven't got tickets to one of the live podcasts I'm doing, go to joshua.com.au, 3 o'clock at Morris House, which is European Beer Cafe. Just look for all the scaffolding. It's going to look like a building Dude, site. Like, yeah, I saw it yesterday. <laughs> Inside's f- safe. It's fine. Uh, so come to that or come to one of the uh, 
Festival Club ones, I'm doing April 4, which is the 100% Hits one, best of best of 97, uh, where you'll see Oliver Clark do Coco Jambu and Greg Larson. I, would, I just want to see Greg's face uh, when he has to talk about it. And uh, also April 18, the live Don't You Know Who I Am at Festival Club with Ed Gamble, Mark Watson, Deanne Smith and Sarah Schaefer. So tickets are at joshua.com.au. Big thanks to everyone who's Patreon subscribers. You're the best. We'll see you next time. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.